I think with all children of immigrants, it's complicated in a very beautiful way uh, growing up with parents that have uh, come from other places, which is a lot of us. Um, and I think growing up, you know, there were times I struggled with identity and being South Asian and having to balance that out with trying to be American. And definitely have issues trying to embrace your culture at times. But then also, as as time goes, as you get older, I have really, really embraced uh, being South Asian, being Indian American. I love having uh, two countries I can call home. listening to Concrete Pastures Podcast. I am Nancy Mlemoisisi. Being an immigrant has been one of the most challenging and extraordinary experiences of my life. It inspired me to create a space that allows for myself and others to share our stories as we deconstruct the world's view of immigrant status. We unlock the joys, the laughs, and the bravery that being a dreamer brings. So subscribe and stay a while as we dive into today's episode. Okay. I'm a huge fan of our guest today. I stumbled on her podcast and since then I've been hooked. I've been introduced to a whole new world I knew very little of. She interviews South Asian trailblazers, experts and prominent voices around the world. To me, she's a prominent voice and a trailblazer. Her name is Ami Tucker. She is a lawyer by trade, a freelancer writer by trial, a podcaster by passion and a DJ when asked. After graduating as a Longhorn, she started off her career as an analyst at Iran. While applying for graduate schools, she she worked on movie sets in Texas and then moved to Bombay to work in radio and media. A few years later, she graduated with a JD from Depot University School of Law in Chicago and began her law career in New York City, my hometown. Since then, she moved back to India, lived in Dubai, Dallas, Bertonville, Connecticut, and currently back in Dallas. Between all the moves, she has worked as a writer for magazines such as Vogue India, CN Traveler, OK Magazine, Middle East, and D Magazine, an executive for non-profit Wharton Foundation and startups exclusively in, and a backup Bollywood dancer for Indian pop stars. In 2017, Ami launched her own podcast called Tackered Out with Amy Tucker, interviewing trailblazer experts and prominent voices from South Asian diaspora. They talk about growing up brown, personal and professional journeys, and all those topics South Asian tend to shy away from. Welcome, Ami. How are you? Yay. Thank you, Nancy, for that lovely introduction. Oh, my God. I was, I, <laughs> I, I, I've been stumbling and I'm like so nervous because I'm a huge fan. Oh, and gosh. When you, <laughs> I am a huge fan. I, oh, I, <laughs> I love what you're doing in our community and um, you've introduced me to a whole new world. That's oh. I, I'm I'm so grateful for that, and that's the reason why I was like, you know what, I want to know more about her, and I know a lot of people are going to be interested to know about her as well. You are first generation immigrant. Oh my God, the daughter of an immigrant. Yes. So how was that growing up as um, a daughter of an immigrant? Ah, uh, gosh, complicated. Um, so yeah, my my parents. Um, moved, immigrated to the U.S. in the 60s, um, mid-60s. My dad came for a higher education um, and then went back to India, did the whole arranged marriage thing, and then brought my mom over. Um, and so, you know, they, they've now been here for what, you know, 
60 plus years, 50, 50 plus years um, in the U.S., um, which has obviously now become their home. And, uh, you know, I was I was actually born in West Virginia, Charleston, West Virginia. There are not many, not many South Asians or people of color uh, back then in the 80s. So, um, you know, it, it's I think with all children of immigrants, it's complicated in a very beautiful way uh, growing up with parents that have uh, come from other places, which is a lot of us. Um, And I think growing up, you know, there were times I struggled with identity and being South Asian and having to balance that out with trying to be American and putting air quotes up. Um, I don't think there's a definition of being American nowadays. so I, I think, yeah, it was as a child and, and a teenager, you, uh, you, you definitely have issues trying to embrace your culture at times. But then also as, as time goes, as you get older, I have really, really embraced uh, being South Asian, being Indian American. I love having uh, two countries I can call home and two identities that I feel very comfortable in. Um, and I think also the beautiful part about having immigrant parents is the values that they instilled in us mm. um, and the culture. We, I really love our Indian culture and embrace it. And I'm trying to teach my kids about it nowadays. Um, and so, yeah, I think it can be complicated. There can be a love-hate um, relationship as an immigrant, uh, a child of immigrants. Um, but I think for most of us, um, getting older, I feel like there's more and more appreciation of it and more and more appreciation of the journey that my parents took to come here, to get here, to, you know, quote unquote, live the American dream. Um, and they made it, they made it on their own. They, they built their, our family, li- our family's life, and the reason why my life is so beautiful now is because of what they have done. And so, all appreciation now. Beautiful, beautiful. How was school for you? Because um, I secretly ask this question because of my daughter. She's first generation, <laughs> and my kids. Right. I'd love to hear from a child of an immigrant. Like, how is school for you? I didn't go to school here uh, in terms of like primary school, secondary school. Oh yeah, I forgot okay. high school. Yeah, yeah. But from for me, I only went to co- do, doing college. That's it. Okay, great. No, uh, school. So, as many uh, Indian Americans know, uh, South Asians in general, um, education is such a priority, the number one priority for most South Asian families. That and marriage, of course. Um, and so, growing up, I, I mean, I grew up with very strict parents. School was it. Like, I, if I didn't do well, you know, I wasn't gonna, you know have my my fun basically um i my older brother became a doctor um and my parents were very much like you need to be a professional you need to you need to be something like a doctor a lawyer you need to go to grad school because for them that equals stability that equals you know um not having to worry about finances and money um and so in my family going to grad school was not a question it was a must and to that, and I mean, for them also, I also have to say, my parents were also very happy to support me uh, in college and grad school. So I'm very, very lucky that way. I personally, you know, a lot of a lot of Indians I know uh, are did become doctors and and you know were did become the professionals that their parents wanted them to become. I was a little bit of an oddball. I. Didn't I? I did fine in school. I didn't love school. Like I hated math, and most Indians are really good at math. Um, I struggled with school because I didn't realize I didn't know what I really wanted to be, and I was, you know, my parents didn't know how to really guide me. Um, they just knew that there were certain professions that made sense and that they wanted us to do, and all again for our futures to have a better future. And so I think the reason why I struggled enjoying school and doing like getting the A plus plus. I you know, I was like a B student, um, was because I didn't really know I wasn't tapping into my passions. Yeah. Which now if I look back at it, I would have gone to journalism school. But back then there was no way I could tell my parents that. They would have been like, that's nonsense. That makes no sense. That's a waste of time, waste of money. You can't make money that way. And so 
you know, I went to, uh, you know, public schools up to high school, went to UT Austin for college. Um, and I was a pre-med major and I hated math and science. Yeah. So, you know, again, I was just kind of following what I thought I had to do and what yeah. would make my parents happy and what I saw a lot of my South Asian peers doing. Chemistry, I barely passed it. I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. I ended up getting a degree in economics and business and then getting my first job at Enron, which a lot of people uh, probably have heard about. And then my parents were like, okay, well, now you have to figure out what grad school you want to do. What, what do you want to do? So I applied to MBA school and then I applied to law school because I was like, I knew science and math were out for me. I was, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. I ended up getting into law school um, and yeah, became a lawyer. And so my, my journey with school was, I did fine because I knew I had to. I didn't love it, yeah. but it's also because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Wow. No, it's a common theme, I think, for our parents, for for a lot of African children who tell you that, that there's only like three options. You become an right. accountant, you become a doctor, or like very few in between. And I, I spoke to Priscilla. <laughs> she, she, she was born in India, but she came, uh, she was living in Texas. When she first came here, she was she came when she was very young and she did her schooling here. And she was like, I'm an analyst. That, that's another piece that you have to do. It's either a doctor you, or you go in technology or right. something else. Um, but yeah, it's common for all of us. Like there's no way to go. Now, my mom was very confused when I was telling her about podcasting. She's like, what is it? A radio? What is it? So- <laughs> yeah, same. Same. My parents are still like, what? How, what what's going on here? <laughs> but now that I'm married and have kids, they're like, do whatever you want. We're happy. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what are some of the common like challenges that you see like in your generation? I think that is one of them careers and having kind of our parents tell us these certain options were it and not having and again not our parents fault because they did come here or to, to build their lives and to be financially stable so it makes sense for them to kind of base careers off of what made like what was stable yeah. um, so I think a lot of people my age in my generation first generation born and raised struggled with that a lot, a lot, you know, a lot. Who are, a lot of my friends who are doctors did that because that's that's what made sense and that's what you're supposed to do. And um, not saying a lot of them are happy with it, but some of them aren't. You know, some of them would have gone a completely different direction. And so I think that's one of the main struggles. I think the other struggle, if you want to call it, uh, was the importance uh, on marrying someone within the culture. Um, and I think. A lot of us felt pressure to do so. And again, a lot of us have done it and are happy and, and then some aren't. So, you know, our parents' ideals, it all comes from a good place. But obviously, as first generation born here, we are American as well. And we have different ideas and we are, our world is very different. And so I think, you know, coming to peace with that, coming to peace with like, accepting our parents' values, but then also kind of understanding who we are as first generation. It's a struggle sometimes. Um, and so I've seen, seen it go both ways. I've seen it work and, and then sometimes not work. Wow. How are you incorporating that into your parenting now with with your kids? That's a good question. You know, you know, second gen now, um, they're obviously going to be a lot more, they're probably going to be less connected to the culture. I, I know my parents were very intense about it. We had to have Indian food every day. I, you know, I grew up, they grew up, they are very re- religious, sorry, and I grew up Hindu. So yeah. we would go to Hindu classes every Sunday, Hindu camps every summer. Um, and I loved it. It was great. It was a great way for me to meet other people in our community and culture. Um, you know, Monday through Friday was kind of like our, our day-to-day school days. And then the weekends were for cultural things and religious things. And so um, I, I think it was fantastic. Obviously now, and I'm married to an Indian American as well. Yeah. We both love our culture and we love the religion. The intensity is not there as much. I would like them to learn about it and to know about it. 
and to appreciate it. Will I push them to get married to an Indian? No. You know, will I push them to be Hindu? No. I, as long as they know and understand it and appreciate it, I think that to me is a win. Yeah. Um, but I, I think for their generation, uh, because we understand how it is to grow up here, we are going to be a little bit more like, okay, this is who we are, but also figure out who you are. And we also have that ability because of the lives we built because of our parents. And so. Yeah. No, I think it's it's great that you you are open in that way. And that's how I think I feel I am when people ask me about my culture with my kids, how I'm going to incorporate it. Yeah. My kids are mixed. They have the Russian and Ukrainian culture and then my culture. So for me, I'm just open to them, opening up their eyes to Africa as a whole, America as a whole. And just respecting people as a whole. We, We all have come from all different worlds, but understanding other people's cultures and your own culture totally yeah i think that's more important now than ever i think yes learn about india learn about where you know your grandparents were born our ancestors yeah but just really appreciate the world i think be a good person be kind yeah just and learn about everyone i think you know like just everything right now the world feels so crazy so I feel like just the bigger picture of things is just appreciate people respect opinions respect differences you know and and be kind yeah what advice would you give to your generation my generation yes of Indian Americans Um, I think Again, as we get older, and I, it's happening, so I don't think I need to give anyone my age any kind of <laughs> advice, but I think it's the appreciation for our parents and their story and, and what what it took for them to come here and also appreciate, appreciate, yeah, sure, they may have not raised us in a way we thought was right, but I feel like they did their best in what they've known. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think appreciate, yeah, our the fact that we have these two amazing cultures that we can call our own. I think that's pretty lucky. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you say that because a lot of us do blame our parents. Oh, I didn't didn't have enough of this. I didn't have enough of this. I was bullied. I was not not to negate anything else, whatever we went through. But I think appreciating our parents and giving them the... Just credit. The credit that they deserve, yeah. Right, right. And especially now, you're a mother. I'm I'm like... As a mother, I'm like, oh, this is not easy. Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's not easy. And uh, you just, you really, it really opens up your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it does. It does. You went back to India. You went to be a backup dancer there. How did that happen? (laughs) Yes. Yes, my friend, Nancy, my story is very, my, like, if you looked at my resume, it's so random. Um, (laughs) So I have, I I always say this in my podcast, I have tried, I think, every career possible besides anything with science and math, of course. Um, Even that, I think I was a research lab assistant during the college days. I've done everything, I swear. What is it? Jack of all trades, master yes. of none. That's, that's yes. kind of me. That's kind of me up until now, up until the podcasting. Listen, I um, love it. When I, yes. I, I, I listening to your podcast and you insert yourself into the podcast as well, as, as we should, because people get yeah. to know us as we are talking. And I'm like, wow, she was a backup dancer. <laughs> I mean, it was so random. So I've actually lived in India twice. I'm very connected to India because my parents took us there a lot and I was able to really get to know my grandparents and my cousins. And so I had a deep connection to the country anyways. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, my, my parents instilled the culture, religion in us here as well. And so after Enron, which I'm not sure if you know the whole story of Enron, but you know, the whole the the company exploded uh, in 2001, 2002. Um, I was an analyst there. And in between Enron and uh, law school, I I took about a year and a half off trying to figure out 
apply for, applying for schools first of all to satisfy satisfy my parents. I I knew I had this creative side of me, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do with it. And so I ended up working on a few film sets here in in Texas and Austin. Met a few South Asian uh, artists and and actors and loved the whole scene. Thought maybe I wanted to go to film school and then ended up going to India for to shop for my brother's wedding. So I was supposed to go. It was a three month trip. I was supposed to. I was going to go to Thailand with my best one of my best friends and, mm. and hang out there for like a couple of weeks. Go to Bombay for six weeks. Go shopping. Hang out with my cousins and, and then come back. And what ended up happening is I met and became good friends with a, a woman there who was acting. She was a radio jockey. She was doing a bunch of things in Bombay. She was from Canada, and she was like, "You know what? Why don't you stay here? You, you're, you know, you don't, you don't have a job to go back to. You, you also are still waiting to hear back from schools. So stay here and do some work in India, some creative work in Bombay, and see what you want to do." Yeah. And I was like, "This is genius." And so I, you know, called mom and dad and said, "Look, I'm gonna move in with this girl." And, and the reason why they were okay with this is because my entire family lives there—cousins, okay. grandparents, uncles, aunts. How's about and to so, ask. Yeah, right. So they were like, "Okay, we know the family's there. They can keep an eye out on on your crazy ass." And uh, so I was like, "Look, give me like two months here. Let me let me explore some options." This was in 2003 ish, 2002 when. A lot of people were coming into India. A lot of expats were coming back to India to explore creative options to get into Bollywood.、Um, and Bombay was really opening up, like the bar scene and the club scene, and it was just all really happening. And so it was a very cool time to live in Bombay. And I ended up living with with my dear friend TJ. She's still there,、um, working at her radio station. I ended up. Through just networking, meeting a dance company, trying out for them, and then going on tour for a few months for with a backup as a backup dancer for a Bollywood pop star. Thank God there there was no social media back then. So <laughs> there's no proof of life on this. I don't even know no, what kind of. To us, I do have videos. Of oh、this. God, I'm sure there's something hidden somewhere.、Um, I have no idea what outfits I was wearing. I swear to God, if this ever comes up, I'm gonna like die. But it was fun. It was a fun time. So I ended up going on tour around India, working as a like kind of assistant at the radio station, working just trying different things because I knew there was something in me that、Exploring. wanted to be creative but just、yeah. didn't know what, and I didn't know what I was good at, and、um, I just loved loved everything. And so I ended up living there up until my brother's wedding. So I ended up living there for almost like six months. And then my parents were like, "Get your ass back here! Like your brother's wedding is coming up, which was based it was it was in Houston, and I also had gone into law school. So that was kind of my time there exploring."、Um, And another, I mean, from that, I ended up going back at the end of law school、mm. and meeting my husband in Bombay as well. Oh, nice! Yeah. Wow. So what? Being there. And actually, like diving into your culture, what did you learn the most over there? Hmm, it's a different feel being here. It is a different feel, and being in your home country. Yeah, you know, it's funny.、Um, obviously, being with my family there, grandparents, obviously,、um, and cousins, you do pick up the language a lot faster、um, because you obviously you're speaking it a lot more. But、yeah. what I did learn. More than anything, was that my parents and those that immigrated here,、mm-hmm. and then our first, the first gen Indian Americans, were definitely embracing and holding onto the culture much tighter than the Indians in India were. Really?、Um, yes. I, my cousins told me like I was so religious and I was so cultural and I was, and I feel like a lot of the. The kids my age in India were trying to become, learn more and, and act more American, and so it was a different kind of dynamic、uh, when I got it's, there. It's funny you say that. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, wow, I was the one doing prayers before eating, and I was the one, you know, just kind of talk, embracing the culture more when I was there. And my friends and, and cousins there were trying to not to the, not to the opposite because they definitely embrace it. But yeah,、um, 
I felt like I was doing it more, basically. Wow. Yeah. So, wow, that's something that actually I have to look into because yeah. I think we hold on to it so much that right. we don't want to lose exactly what, what we have. And then over there, they are learning what America is about and they're becoming Americanized. And I remember myself, literally, I think before I came here, we used to watch American TV. Yeah. So that's how I fell in love with America. It was all about American TV. And we became somewhat Americanized a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I think American TV is one of the most powerful, I guess, platforms for people to, around the world, right? For people True. to like really, that's how they understand America, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe get to learn it or maybe get to love it or maybe get to hate it. Who knows? But yeah. uh, the, the entertainment aspect of it is definitely very powerful. Wow. So how did you end up in Dubai, living in Dubai? I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> we loved it. The past 13 years I've been married, we've moved seven times. And all the moves that you've mentioned uh, up until, you know, after law school in Chicago, I moved to New York to practice. Um, and I had met my husband at a New Year's party in Bombay right before I moved to New York. And that's the reason I moved to New York, because he was based there. Um so we were, he was, once I got to New York, he moved to Boston for business school. We did the long distance thing, got married. Okay. Then we started, we, then we started this crazy seven city move. Dubai was one of the moves. It was for his job. So our first move was to India. We were in Delhi for a year and a half, then Bangalore for a year and a half, then Dubai uh, for about two years um, and absolutely loved it. It was, I was a little bit hesitant about Dubai and I was like, well, I like it. Is it too flashy? Is it too much? Or will I, will we meet good people there? Why and were you guys there? We were there 2012 to 14. So cause it's, it's transformed. So of course. Much. I, I mean, it's been nine years since I've been back. I can't imagine how much has trans transformed. I mean, even then it was, so grandiose and everything was so opulent and like yeah. we, we lived on the um palm jumeirah the fake palm beach yes oh wow okay. yeah so we lived on there yeah. it was just everything was gorgeous and clean and you know honestly the best part as with any move was the people that we met we just had an amazing crew of friends from all over the world it was like the UN, which yeah. is, it was it was amazing. Um, and so, and I got to work um, at at a startup and write for magazines there, and went to the red carpet events, and got yeah. to like experience all the glitz and glamour, and uh, then got pregnant there and had my first first daughter born in Dubai. And so we it was quite 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 an experience those two years. It was great. Being an immigrant can be hard. Having been away from my home country for over 20 years has allowed me to experience these hardships firsthand. Throughout my journey, I've had a lot of challenges that were hard to bear. Juggling adjustment to a new country, obtaining my immigration papers, getting married, having children, establishing my career, and finding time for myself. Even though I've always had faith, I also relied on therapy which gave me the tools to cope with the issues life brought me. My fellow dreamers, let's remove the stigma around therapy and normalize seeking help with today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Go to betterhelp.com slash pastures for 10% off your first month of therapy with BetterHelp and get matched with a therapist who will listen and help in as little as 48 hours. The other thing about Dubai is that it's very uh, close to so many places. So we flew to Jordan. We would fly to like Sri Lanka. We would fly mm -hmm. to South Africa. Yeah. Like just there's so many uh, like places we got to explore from Dubai, I think. In the five years we were abroad, I think we went to about twenty-three countries, if I'm correct. Yes, no, I saw. I think I read that somewhere that you had yeah. you had been like to a lot of countries. I'm like, 
wow yeah how did she do this she was traveling by some i'm like i need to hear this story a lot of it was through was with a lot of times i would go with my husband because he traveled quite a bit through his job um and then a lot of times i remember i celebrated my 31st second birthday in china so why not um yeah just kind of both of us love travel like most people do and yeah. you know i had my baby moon in jordan like i was floating in the dead sea <laughs> so many adventures it was it was just a really those five years as an expat were just and the first five years of marriage were very very fun and very exciting i'm glad i'm so happy we did it no that's beautiful yeah that was uh they talk about a lot of culture in uh, dubai is it true that you have to abide by some of the rules that if you for you you were there temporarily you're not there right to, but some of the rules that they have as the dressing and how they, de- they definitely have you know it's, it's kind of a blur now but they definitely have the rules of an area like can't remember exactly what everything was on the beach or i mean like compared to most of the middle eastern countries obviously it's very lax because they have so many people living there from around the world got it um i'll be honest with you nothing bugged me like it wasn't like it was affecting me in any way i mean it was funny things like if you're married you have to get approval from your husband to get a driver's license or to get a job so like my husband had to write a letter saying i approve i just thought i mean for me i looked at it i was like look this is the country's rules you respect it exactly i don't think it's a big deal i, I why go there and complain about it just go yeah. with the flow but you being american that must have been like what I was laughing about. It. I was like, okay. Yeah. I was like I told my husband I'm like I am happy not to drive actually. Just get me a driver because that's fine. Or if you don't want me to work, I can chill. I can go have lunch every day with my I mean, what, you know. So, to me I was like I did it. I did work and I did, I did drive. Um but things like that, that's their rules and yeah. if you're going to live abroad, you embrace, you know, the country that you're in. True. Yeah. True, true, true. It was too much fun in general, so those little those things didn't even bother me. But it does. I know it does bother people. Um, but to them I say just go with the flow. I I want to get into your podcast. Oh, talk it out. It, <laughs> oh my god. It's one of my favorite podcasts that I listen oh, to. Yes. I I, I I get into um in the car. I'm like, what am I listening to today? <laughs> oh my gosh, I want to hug you. So Thank you. you that, on, that means a lot. You are on my playlist. Um I, I think you've introduced me to a world that I didn't know. Yeah. Too much of and um I'm so glad that I stumbled uh, I stumbled onto your podcast. I don't even know how I stumbled on it. I was listening to so many and I stumbled on yours and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so good." Yay. And I looked you up. That's how I tried to connect with you and right away you were so responsive. But yeah. I'm all about all, supporting. I'm supporting other podcasters. I know it's a it's a crazy industry to be in, especially as an independent and um, Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's yeah. just to me it's all about support. No, thank you so so much. Yeah. I appreciate that. And congratulations on order for you. Thank uh, you. Uh you are part of the uh, board of governors on TB uh, on TPA. TPA. For anybody the podcast academy. And um what do you do on there as the governors? Board of the governors. Um many things. So, it's been a fantastic year. I'm I'm going to be on the board again next year. I'm going to be um helping with the governance committee. Um what we do is obviously support the academy. Um one of our biggest events is the Ambies, the award ceremony awards that we we give out every year. Yeah. So, uh to help make sure that runs smoothly, um we put together master classes for members. It's it's a place for anyone in the podcast industry at any level, any position to come together to get educated on what's happening, to connect with people that they don't have access to, to get feedback, to get, you know, to get educated. It's just a, place, a safe space for everyone in our industry to come to and to gather because podcasting can be very lonely, you know, it can be sometimes you're like, okay, am I the only one out there? Is anyone listening? And I think it's a place for community, it's a place for growth. Um I know 
through the TPA, I have met so many amazing people. It's changed kind of my podcasting uh, uh, journey, you know, um, have enjoyed meeting all the board. Um, I've been going to the podcast movement now for a couple of years with the TPA. And so it's just a great uh, organization for anyone that wants to be part of the podcast industry, wants to help elevate it. Um, and that's what we do as a board. We help elevate uh, our members, the industry. We want to, we love, we all are very passionate about podcasting and, um, that's that's kind of yeah we just help support the tpa and on all their endeavors so on your podcast you are interviewing uh the south asian trailblazers there oh my god you have a whole library of so many people from actors to musicians to everybody from all walks of life share with us why you started the podcast oh, why gosh. what was the the why behind it the why behind it um a few whys i think you know as i mentioned we've moved around quite a bit and so because of my husband's job so i think starting over again career wise each time each move it gets exhausting yeah. Um, I think, you know, that was one thing, t- tuckered out, right? Um, yeah. I, and uh, also the name I've been called Tucker my whole life. That's my last name, but everyone's called me Tucker. Uh, my close friends usually don't call me by my first name. Um, and so I think it was being tuckered out from starting my career. I had two young babies. Uh, so as you know, it's exhausting. Um, I knew I didn't want to just, not just, I shouldn't say stay at home moms, just stay at home mom is the hardest thing ever. Um, but I didn't, I knew I wanted to do more than just do the stay at home mom thing. I also had enjoyed interviewing people, uh, the uh, writing, the interviews, the, the magazines I worked with, yeah. and I enjoyed the radio medium. And so I think all that together, I was like, you know what? I don't want to work for anyone. I don't want to keep applying to jobs every two years. I want to do something that I can take with me anywhere we go. And I also want to be my own boss. What do I love? Uh, communicating and I love people and I love sharing stories. And so it all just kind of made sense to start this. And the reason, you know, I, I, I focused on South Asians is obviously because I am one. Yeah. Two, I have a very strong network. Um, and I think three, I just really wanted to hear other South Asian stories, how people got to where they are, how they made it, you know, what their struggles were. In a way, honestly, Nancy, it's like a therapy session for me, uh-huh. this podcast, you know, to I understand know. my understand myself more. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Oh, I sure do. I yeah. Do. It's the best I form of time when I'm doing this right here. Right, right. It's the best form of therapy. I love meeting people. And, um... It did, and I don't know about you. For me, when I first started it, I was like, I don't know what this is. Is it a hobby? Is it what am I doing? I started, stopped it, and I started it in Dallas, stopped it when we moved to Bentonville, started it again when we moved to Connecticut. And really, I would say the past two two and a half years is when I really, really focused on it. I got the logo. I got you know pictures taken I got and I became like a, like a serious podcaster yeah um and then the past year it's just kind of everything really sped up and so yeah many reasons never thought when I started it I started I had my first episode in 2017 thought it would just be something for me to do and never thought it would end up you know here and it's just been awesome wow um, I can definitely share the thrill of just having these conversations with your guests. Um, but the other side of it, I know I get nervous all the time. I sit down with someone. I love the nerves because it's something that I'm, I, it, give, it reminds me that I still love this. Because once yeah. I become too relaxed, it's not going to be interesting to me. But um, the other side of it is I always worry if, I am going to be able to tell the story of the guests the right way. Do you also worry about those things? I think I used to, and then I kind of approached it. And by the way, you're doing fantastic. You have nothing to worry about. Um, um, I think what I decided, I, I would say the first 20, 30 episodes, I, I'm, I think you have to go through whatever, however many episodes to understand your voice. Yeah, 
comfortable with what this podcast, what the podcast is about, really. And I think I realized, I think my first 20, 30, my guests were amazing. I think I was all over the place. I didn't know what I was saying, doing, talking. I think you have to go through that to really filter through and understand what your voice is. I mean, sometimes you don't. Maybe maybe episode one, you already know. I didn't know. And so I look at this as a conversation with a friend at a bar talking about, you know, their story. It, it doesn't have to be a coverage of their entire story. Yeah. I am all about having the conversation. I have an outline of what I think I want to talk about, but if wherever it goes, it goes. And I think also the audiences appreciate hearing stuff that they don't normally hear. They really want to get to know the person. Yeah. Uh, and then I also want to be open and vulnerable. I want them to get to know me as well. Otherwise, the guest doesn't open up. And so I think I've just decided, sure, I'm going to have an outline. I'm going to try to share their story as best as possible. But more so, I want it to be a conversation between two friends that people are listening into. No, that's that, that's that, that's the best way to put it. Yeah, that's the best way. Keeping it real, right? Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> I I when I because I, I share my story on 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 my platform as well, and I'm as authentic as I can yeah. be, as much as I can on my uh, on, on on this space. And same thing. Whenever like all the guests come, they are very giving of their stories. Yeah. And still, I still got, oh my God, I hope somebody relates to their stories. No, totally. And you're so relatable and easy to talk to. And I think those are the two very important things, honestly. What are some of the challenges that you face? Because right now, a lot of people are working on podcasts, they're working on books, they're working on so many, like content creation. Right. Uh, What are some of the challenges that you faced doing this? I know you mentioned some, a little bit of it. And uh, what advice would you give for people who are starting? So I think, you know, when you first start out podcasting, and for a while, I would say up until like maybe even six months ago, you are, of course, you're worried about numbers and downloads and I mean, just, just you know, is this going to go anywhere? Is it growing? Um, yeah. Honestly, I think the best thing to do is not stop worrying about it. Don't look at the, I mean, I'm going to say don't look at the numbers. Don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about where it's going. Don't worry because you you don't know where it's going. It could end up anywhere. I think as cheesy as it is, enjoy the journey. Create good, unique content. Create do do fun things with it. Have fun with it. Yeah. Try different things. You know, you never know what's going to work, what doesn't work. Um, you don't have to stick to one formula. You can always evolve and change change things up. Don't be scared to do that. Um, and. I think for me, I let go of that, you know, and I now am, I'm just enjoying it so much more, you know, and it's opened up other doors for me where I'm doing a lot more live events. I'm doing panels. I'm writing more. Mm. Um, and podcasting is just a part of it all now. Instead of just, instead of podcasting being the thing, it's yeah. part of what everything I'm doing now. And it's just, it's going to be something I continue doing, but I'm just open now to other ways of creating content and getting the story out there. It doesn't have to be just podcasting. I think it's just a great way to start. Yeah. Um, but be open to the journey and see where it takes you. Oh, nice. Yeah. What are your parents saying? They love it. They love it now. They love it now that I'm 110 episodes in. They're like, oh, okay, she's sticking with it. Because they've seen me go through so many iterations of my career and I think for them, they never really saw the passion, my passion in anything because I didn't have it really. I, I would try different things and be like, eh, I don't know, I don't know. And, you know, <laughs> being a lawyer, I wasn't passionate about it. I just, I just did it. And so I think for them, seeing the passion in this and seeing me stick with it and, yeah. you know, continue to grow and talk about it. And I would do, you know, if I, whenever I do visit them in Houston, they see me doing the work. They see me doing interviews in their closet. And I think for them, after, you know, <laughs> start struggling to understand what I wanted to do, I think for them, this is, they're just happy now that I'm doing something I love. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And I think also it's kind of this podcast, you know, like I said, is a therapy session for me, like each and every episode, but I think it's an ode to my parents and I didn't know it. 
Uh, I agree with you on that. Yeah. I I agree with you on that. Uh, I feel like it's just like I'm I'm honoring my mother. Yeah. uh, For the opportunity that she gave me to come over here. And I'm giving back to the community. Because my mom is in service. Yeah. And I'm just continuing her journey to a whole, in a whole different space. Right. Right. Totally. Like in a a different way. Just in a different way. Yeah. In a whole different space. And she just... Even when she's she's done understanding, because I'm going home next month, and I okay. told her um, I'm going to interview someone to have a conversation with someone face to face. She's like, "What is that like?" <laughs> I totally hear you. Even my parents are like, "What's happening here?" Yeah, it's okay. The more she sees it, the more she'll she'll, and then pretty soon. Nancy, she'll be forwarding your episodes to friends on WhatsApp and yeah. Oh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I yes. hope. <laughs> my dream is to interview her. I, I want to know her, her journey. Yes. That's so sweet. Oh. Yes. I want to know her journey and uh, get to understand her more. I love that. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> Very cool. You um, should totally do that. So you have done so much already in your lifetime. <laughs> God. What has been the the feedback from your community about your podcast? It's been fantastic. I think a lot of South Asians now are getting more into the arts or are getting, I mean, they have been for a while, but a lot more are visible. Many more are raising their voices and on different platforms. I see a lot of South Asians podcasting and I think everyone's really excited about sharing the South Asian story. You know, we are a minority, but we're a powerful minority in the, in the U S sure. and around sure. the world. Um, I don't know how many of us there are 1.3 billion in India. Maybe I, I think India just surpassed China with population. <laughs> wow. I think, um, and so there are a lot of us around the world. I mean, obviously the U S is different percentage, but you know, the ones Indian Americans here are just, we're a powerful minority. We are doing so many unique things. We're in all industries and yeah. our story should be told, you know? Uh, and so I think it's been a, it's been great feedback from, from the community. No, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Because yeah. a, a lot of people do worry. For me, I, it was the list of my problems when I was starting the podcast. That's too, I was only, I think my worry was how the story was going to be received and not right. worry if they're going to like it, love it. Whoever needs to hear something, they'll receive it however it's given. Exactly. Right. And yeah. I, I, I was, a lot of people worry about having everybody on board. I'm like, I can't do that. Oh gosh, no. And and that's never going to happen. If you want that, then don't podcast because never going to happen. And it shouldn't. Everyone doesn't have to be on board. The right people will be on board and the right people will receive the story in a positive way and... I mean, that's all you can do. Yeah. Share, share, share your truth, right? No, for sure. Do you feel fulfilled with what you've been able to accomplish in life? I feel more than fulfilled. I feel very, very lucky. And sometimes I sit there at night. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I, you know, when you feel so fulfilled and happy, you're like, I'm scared the other shoe will drop kind of thing. And I'm trying not to think that way. Um, I feel very lucky that I've been able to try so many different things too and that's because of the support of my parents and now the support of my husband um you know all all three of them have kind of let me be me um obviously with some feedback and and some advice and you know guidance but um I would not be able to do any of this if if my husband didn't support it I mean I could but it wouldn't be as fun right it's been I've had these three people in my life allow me to figure out my journey in the craziest way, so. No, oh, that's beautiful. Support yeah. is everything. It's everything. Your last it's everything. One. Yeah. It's everything. Where can we find you, and uh, what are you working on that we can support you aside from Tucker Out? Yay! Um, so you can find me, of course. I'm on all uh, podcast platforms: Apple, Spotify, blah blah blah. I do write what I call a newsletter once or twice a month. It's on Substack, so it's amitucker.substack.com. Subscribe, that'd be fantastic. My website's tuckeredoutwithami.com, and then um, I am mainly on Instagram and LinkedIn. So on Instagram, tuckeredoutpodcast. 
And then on LinkedIn, I'm Ami Tucker Ravel. Ravel is my married last name. And then uh, in terms of projects, I'm doing a few panels and live events this year. Um, I'll be going to DC in June to do the Indian American Impact Summit, where we'll talk about the impact of Indian Americans. And I'm, I'm hosting a panel on that in June. I'm hosting a panel in Dallas in July over here for the Brave Conference. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm putting together a few things, uh, hopefully hopefully crossing my fingers uh, on the other side of the pond in London, working on that. Let's see what happens. And of course, podcast movement is in uh, August. If I hope everyone can join, whoever's interested in the industry and the TPA, Podcast Academy, membership stuff. Uh, would love people to join, um, can, can reach out to me with any questions. Yes, I'm a member and it's, yeah. uh, it's very resourceful and insightful. You meet to get to meet so many people, like you said. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. But yeah, just enjoying it, going with the flow, doing fun interviews. Uh, I, I always try, I, like I said, I think I, I do the podcast, but then I like to try fun, unique ideas and see what happens. Nice. Listen, this has been so good. I've been looking forward to having a conversation with you. I'm honored that you. Oh gosh! I well, uh, you are. I am. Congrats to you. This is amazing. Thank I love you. your logo and 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 the, and the idea in the podcast. And um, I'm glad we are podcast buddies now. And I will Yay. be listening listening for your episodes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nancy. That's it for this episode. Thank you again for lending us your ears. It's truly an honor to save each and every dreamer. You can continue to support us by liking, sharing, and following us on our social media pages. The links are all in the show notes. We have so many exciting projects and ventures in store for you. Until next time, keep dreaming.